Hi everyone, I'm Adva Shisgal and you've reached Startup for Startup. Today, we'll discuss investment in Israeli startups under the current situation. This episode is part of an event we held in mid-November, where Daria Wertheim spoke with Shuli Galili, founding partner at UpWest, Jacques Benkoski, general partner at US Ventures, and Aaron Jacobson, partner at NEA. They shared how US VCs perceive the current situation in Israel, what communications they need from their existing portfolio companies, and what they think about investing in Israeli startups these days. All of their VCs have invested in Israeli startups in the past and are investing in startups in different stages, starting from pre-seed. Enjoy! Startup for Startup Sharing knowledge, experience and insights From one startup to another So I'd like to start um, with hearing your perspective on the current situation. You know, the three of you, uh, each of you know, know Israel very well and you've invested in Israeli startups before, but this is not a regular situation. So I'd like to hear your take uh, on the current situation and how do you see like the Israeli startup ecosystem and, and if anything changed? From, uh, from your end? So, um, well, obviously, uh, we are very sad about what happened and what continues to happen. It touches us directly. Actually, it touches us very directly in that we've had several portfolio companies where people have had, you know, tragic losses. We have one where a senior executive has five family members that are hostage. So we're dealing with a situation remotely, very intimately. Uh, and of course, we we work with our CEOs on that. As far as investing, look, we've invested in Israel no matter what. We've invested during the Intifada. We invested during the Lebanon operation. We invested in this and that. And unless this was to become sort of a international conflict with the U.S. and Iran and all that, uh, which we all hope will never happen, I think it's the same for us and Israeli entrepreneurs have innovated during those times and our companies have performed. Um, we in diligence, like, like Aaron mentioned, we in diligence to look at current Israeli companies and nobody at USVP or in our LP base would say, don't do an Israeli investment or wait or whatever, it's just business as usual from that standpoint. Aaron, um, I'd love to hear your take and maybe Also, if you have anything to add about, you know, the general sentiment about Israeli startups, like if you hear other VCs talking, uh, what are people saying right now? Yeah, well, I think, I mean, the Israeli community is quite, you know, broadly ingrained within Silicon Valley. And so it's really personally affected, you know, myself, uh, a lot of other investors I know, you know, we work with a lot of Israeli founders. So it's quite sad and emotionally, you know, it's probably one of the, and psychologically, it's probably one of the hardest times ever um, for Israel. And so um, folks are definitely feeling that. But on the flip side, everyone is quite optimistic and very confident and, you know, the Israeli spirit and that, you know, founders are going to pull through this. You know, Israel has a long history of crises and coming out, you know, better and stronger on the other side. Um, and so I think the, the optimism here in the U.S. is quite strong. I mean, I think you saw I had, I had multiple friends who were investors that actually went to D.C. to go march yesterday. Um, and so I think folks are quite optimistic. Um, and, you know, you know, for better or worse, the 2020s have been designed by defined by crises. Right. We had covid. 
Then we had the SVB banking crisis. You know, this is a you know much more terrible, horrible um, events. But at the end of the day, you know, with any crisis, crises, it's all about doing crisis management and also keeping a steady hand. And you know, NEA and you know most of the venture ecosystem, where we've been investing for a long while, and you know, continues to be business as usual. Um, looking at deals, sourcing companies, you know, supporting our founders, um, working more closely with our founders than ever because you have to think about you know runway and you know impact on you know potentially some of the employees getting called up. Um, but uh, we very much are you know continuing to look at companies and excited to find more founders to invest in. I think maybe you know I, maybe Aaron and Shirley you'll, you'll agree with me or not. I think the the firms that used to do one off in Israel like. They don't do Israeli investment as their strategy. They did one here and there. They're probably not feeling like us, right? They, they're like, oh, you know, I've done one deal in Israel, been there a couple of times. It's very different. You know, they can much more easily uh, get pushback or feel pushback. Yeah, surely we I talked agree. about it yesterday. Maybe you can elaborate on that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think that you can hear, you know, and, and you know, I had the pleasure of, of working with both Aaron and Jacques for many years. Uh, I mean, I think, uh, you know, over a decade and always run into them in Israel. So the, the only thing that is different is that the three of us would be in Israel probably this, <laughs> this past month and we're not, we're here. Uh, but I think that what you hear really from uh, and it's important for founders to understand, especially for those who made the strategy of investing in Israel as strategy, is that um, VCs are long-term thinkers in how they manage you know, their um, uh, engagements, how they think about risks management. The reason uh, a lot of US VCs made a strategy of investing in Israel and I had the pleasure of, of working with so many of them who never done it before and and you know in 2004 decided this is a strategy for us is that there are a few ingredients that made them decide that and 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 that is the incredible talent and ecosystem in Israel the um, you know the opportunity to back really top-notch entrepreneurs who are ready to go and build global companies. And this hasn't changed for them. So there is no reason why this would change now. The thinking primarily is short-term versus long-term managing the crisis. Really, what's, what's happening short-term? How do we really work with our founders or initial you know, thinking about our team and doing deals in Israel short-term? And how do we think about helping our founders in the long term, whether this is going to be a prolonged crisis? And so this is really how um, how a lot of us are thinking. Um, uh, same with Aaron and Jacques. I've seen incredible support from the wider venture community uh, that we've been engaged with in the last you know two decades here. Um, those who've never done deals with Israel or have never went there will probably stay on the sidelines in times like this, and it will be much harder to kind of, you know, bring a deal to them. Uh, but those of us who've been engaged, you know, for many years have um, a lot of portfolio there and understand kind of the, the, the character of, of, the, of the place and the people. 
um, you know, probably will stick to, you know, doing um, the same thing basically right now. You know, it sounds um, like when I hear all three of you saying these things, it sounds so good. Like I, I get up all optimistic, <laughs> but then I see the post in our community um, founder, founder is saying that uh, their fundraising processes stopped and they they are having struggles to communicate with our current investors. But Aaron, you know, uh, Shuli mentioned before, um, you know, preparing for short-term consequences and long-term consequences. So what can founders do differently to prepare for maybe longer amount of time to actually raise money um, or in yeah. terms of other plans? Yeah. Yeah, we can look at, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a believer and you hope for the best and you plan for the worst. And so it's all about runway extension and there's multiple ways you can do that. You can look at, you know, potentially, you know, furloughs for employees. You can potentially look at asking folks to take, you know, lower lower temporary salaries. Um, there's also a bunch of programs out there. I know a bunch of, uh, you know, Israeli VCs have gotten together to do, uh, I think, like temporary bridge financing in order to extend runway. Um, potentially look at venture debt. Um, I would, you just really got to evaluate all options and also be quite thoughtful on the contingency planning and figure out a way to, uh, to bring down your runway, albeit temporarily, uh, sorry to, to extend your runway, but maybe bring down your burn, albeit temporarily. So there's no long-term, uh, impacts. I want to add, uh, something particularly for those in the very, very early stages, um, you know, seeing that this is where, you know, we mostly invest as, as first check is, is founders who just started and. And, and thinking of going out and raising. And, um, you know, what we've been seeing in the last month, and we've seen in numerous founders um, who uh, decided that uh, rather than going and raising a big amount of, of money, like, a, you know, a large seed, they would go for a pre-seed round. Um, I think I know there are both in Israel and, and outside of Israel, there plenty of people in that stage that are able to help you get going in the beginning and uh, um, validate with, um, you know, slightly less money than what you planned. And if you can create a plan around a pre-seed right now, just to get you off the ground, um, you know, I would encourage you to do that. Um, we, um, we did a pre-seed deal last week, actually, in Israel, and um, and I think it's a team that could have easily maybe, you know, go out and raise a larger amount, but uh, they were eager to get going uh, with um, some really important design partners. So uh, so they, they opted for the pre-seed. So I would say for those of you in that stage, uh, there's plenty of money at that pre-seed and seed stage. Um, and and both in Israel as well as outside. Um, and I want to also double click on the qualification, just like it's when you qualify customers, qualify VCs, qualify their amount of time they spent um, investing in Israel, how they are doing it. Um, you know, is this really someone who is well entrenched? um have history of of investing in the country and there are plenty of vcs like that both in the early stage as well as as late stage um and it's really important to uh to qualify before you go so you don't waste your time um in talking to the you know the the people who are 
basically right now not going to make any move. <clears throat> also, I want to emphasize, because I've been in the U.S. for so long working with Israel ecosystem, is that at no point should you at the boardroom discuss politics or go deep into explaining and and you know doing any of that and you know Aaron and and Jacques I you know I wonder what you think about it but I always tell founders you know just you know definitely avoid if you can um getting into any explanation or political argument it's just pointless and you know kind of sidetracks from why why you're you know there for I think on that last point, I, I want to add to that. I've had discussions with my companies. You know, your your company's LinkedIn page is for companies' announcements. It's not for, you know, Israel pictures and Israel, you know, has bara or anything like that. Um, it eventually backfires anyway. You know, somebody's going to post something and then somebody will say free Palestine and whatever happens, you know, like, People can do whatever they want in their private lives, but unfortunately, LinkedIn, who used to be business only, people have started to post uh, political stuff. Just make it a policy for your teams that they can do that on their personal accounts. They can do that on Facebook. They can do that on Instagram, not on the company's feed. I mean, one, one thing I want to emphasize, though, um, before the war started, the Israeli ecosystem was starting with a lot of delay compared to the US to reset, right? Like, like the Israeli, the US ecosystem reset two plus years ago. And I was in Israel the week before Rosh Hashanah. And I was with a bunch of, you know, VCs at a cocktail and they asked me as a foreign investor, they were all Israeli investors, kind of where are we? And I said, you know, honestly, you guys are just at the beginning and the bottom is gonna be in 12 to 18 months. And so a bunch of what's happening is actually not related to the war. The war is kind of a fog on top of it. And, you know, people have to take stock of that reset, sort of forget the war if they can for a minute and say, what would my company have done pre the war? What would have been the valuation? What would have been the round size? And recognize that the party that Israel has enjoyed for the last three, four years, that party is over regardless of the war. And the war is sort of making unclear what's what, but, but that's very important for people to understand. I think that's very true. I mean, uh, what I've seen in the U.S. is, you know, things have really kind of normalized to, you know, in the three or four years leading up to like 2019, 2020, 20, that's kind of like the benchmark in terms of like pace that funds are investing, valuations. And so we've kind of established that again. Um Unless you're an AI company, I say that with a caveat because anything related to AI is still quite fast and furious. And I suspect that's also happening in Israel as well. But I would look at, you know, what was the environment like kind of pre-COVID? And that's probably what the environment's going to be like, you know, we're going to evolve to within Israel over the next, you know, year or two. Uh, I want to ask the three of you because you mentioned like try not to talk about politics and and not mention it maybe on, on the LinkedIn's company page but eventually um as I assume that you know the companies you, that are on your portfolio you want to hear how they are dealing with the current situation and what they are doing I'm also assuming that companies that are now in their fundraising process uh, are required to answer questions about um 
the current situation and how they are dealing with it. So, you know, it's it's a very thin line, like trying not to go into politics, but yet still address the situation. So how do you suggest founders um, discuss it with, with potential investors? I think, you know, when, when the war started, a few of my companies were wondering what they should post on LinkedIn, right? Because there was concerns on the part of the customers of what it means and the investors. And I think the answer to that was, of course, there is a war going on. We've analyzed the situation. We have business continuity processes in place. We will support our customers as before. And as customers, you shouldn't worry. We'll be there for you, blah, blah, blah. That's perfect. If you start adding to that support, Israel, Israel, great, Israel is going to win, blah, 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 then you're crossing the line. And I think, and I think the same way of answering is the way you can answer investors if people are saying, well, how are you handling the wall? The first part of my answer is the non-political way to address it and should be the only way that they care about. They care that the company is executing quasi-normally. It's able to start new POC. It's able to support existing customers. You know, what happened the last week, uh, which I was surprised, every one of my CEOs came to the US that they would have otherwise. Like I expect nobody would fly every one of them came to the US. And so the ability to show up as if not nothing happened, but as if it was from a business standpoint, the same is also the way to message to your customers and to your investors that the company is executing. I'll add to that. Um, I think that initially when, um, when uh, the war broke, um, I think that what I've seen in our portfolio is that some people who are overly transparent and communicative, and I want to say that this is key for investors. This is two things that are super critical for investors is communication and transparency. And if you do it on a regular basis, is amazing. During crisis, you have to do it twice. You have to communicate you know, more frequently, and you have to be uh, more transparent about the risks you are facing. Um, give an analysis of, you know, when you, how do you think, you know, your runway will last? Um, how are you dealing with talent being away in the war? Um, just provide as much analysis and as much transparency as you can to investors. Um, we also, as investors, felt that we need to be overly communicative with our own portfolio. So in the last month, we've initiated a lot of calls to our um, teams in Israel, in engineering teams, CTOs who are there, because some of our CEOs are, are on this side of the world. Uh, but we felt that it's really important for us to, for them to know that um, we hear them, we are there for them uh we're supporting them if they need anything you know so it's really really key um to continue this uh not to disappear um or to kind of brush off the gravity of the situation just provide a very clear analysis of what it means for your company your goals your metrics things that you anticipate you would achieve short term and long term I received a question on that uh, in the chat. Um, someone was asking about startups that 
just wanted to launch their uh, fundraising process, but but their pre-seed or seed, but haven't started yet. What should they do? Like, is it the right time? Should they should they wait? I would say it's the right time. I would say yes. You know, I mean, if you feel like you have what it takes to start talking to investors, the team is full time. There is a very clear vision of what you want to go after. You thought about the market. You have created a plan, um, and uh, um, and you feel like you can start talking to very early stage investors who. You qualified as people who understand your space, you know, can uh, think with you long term about this. Who are, you know, ready to write checks. There are plenty of those investors, both in Israel as well as outside of Israel. Uh, another question we received, and maybe um, Jacques, maybe you can answer that um, about um, the conversation among investors uh, about founders. Uh, if there are if they're worried that founders are uh, active in army reserve like are there any questions about uh, that topic because there are a lot of CEOs that are now on reserve duty right look I think it's very hard to fundraise if you're not at work right um, that's the reality I have a CEO that's on reserve he's been on reserve since the beginning um, would he be able to fundraise right now? Maybe, but he would have to find the time, right? I mean, when you're fundraising, you need to do a bunch of phone calls and all that. But I think you have to you have to be realistic about that. Um, but assuming that the, the CEO themselves is not on duty and they can assemble what it would take normally to assemble, uh, then then they should be able to raise. I think you know one element which people um, I feel do not pay enough attention. I've brought it up a couple of times is, you know, the salaries of people on reserves are paid by the government, and so you right. don't have them, but you have a longer runway, right? And and so I'm not saying one compensates for the other, but it's not zero either, right? And so you know it's not like they gone and you still have the same burn rate. They gone and your burn rate went down a bunch, right? And so people need to think about that as well as a runway extension. Obviously, they're going to have a harder time reaching the KPIs, but you know, both come in balance. Yeah, I mean, one area we've been looking to do for current investments, and this is probably matters less for seed and more for Series A and beyond, is you know, what does that next layer of management look like? If you as a founder or CEO get called up, who's going to be the interim CEO? If your head of sales, you know, gets called up, if your head of R and D, who's the second person? You know, having a good plan, and also, um, you know, being comfortable with them them spending time with investors, because I think investors are are really double clicking, going much deeper on the team than they have before, um, to really get a sense of, you know, who's the second in command, spend time with them, um, you know, are they going to be able to run the company for, you know, three months, six months, you know. So um, think about that. If you were not to be the CEO right now and have somebody's the designated CEO, who would they be? And maybe train them and prep them um, so that, you know, if you end up in that situation, things can transition as smoothly as possible. I have a question actually for Aaron on your like recent deal that you're working on. You know, seeing that NEA is is pretty large organization, and you know you've been investing in Israel for a while. How are you? 
you know, is, is the, does the process look the same within the fund right now? I mean, do you need to um, uh, think about risks differently? Your communication with, you know, the partnership is differently, you know, uh, is different. How do you, you know, how do you really manage right now the situation? Uh, the, I mean, the process looks very much the same, right? No matter what's happening, we've got a standard course yeah. of, uh, due, of uh, due diligence. Um, we have to be realistic and recognize that, you know, it's a risk. But the truth is, and our LPs know this as well, it's always a risk when, whenever you're investing in the Middle East, right? This is just an inherent risk that you take. And it might look you know, like more certain because we're investing in a time of war. But, you know, three months ago, six months ago, a year ago, five years ago, right? There's always just risk endemic to the region. And we know that our my partners know that our LPs know that. You know, certainly, certainly during times like this, some of our LPs will ask questions and say, you know, how many companies do you have in Israel? How are you, how are you supporting them? How are you, um, you know, making sure to they have what they need? Um, how are you thinking about uh, new investments in Israel? And we tell them exactly what I just told you. Like we, we're big believers that Israel is going to produce some huge companies. They already have. Uh, there's amazing founders, and we'll continue to conduct our standard course of uh, business and due diligence. We'll definitely spend, I would say, a little bit more time in understanding that next layer of uh, management and also really want to dig into, you know, the contingency plan and runway. And, you know, we're asking more questions about how many folks are being called up in the reserves and is that slowing down your product roadmap or your sales? Um, so there's like a little bit different. I would say that's slightly different, but that's, you know, that's just a few more questions, particularly regarding that. Um, every Everything else is really standard course of business when we think about, uh, you know, evaluating founders and making sure we have all our boxes checked before we invest. Okay. Uh, yeah, we have well, another question. Um, what about the, of our evaluation? How the this situation will uh, affect the investors' evaluate Our inv evaluation, would they try to lower it because of it? Uh, uh, how things are going in that front? I was going to say, yeah, having, having, you know, being in the late stages of an investment right now, having looked at others, I think valuations have come down, but it's not because of the, um, it's not because of the war. It's just the kind of what we talked to earlier. It's just the standard correction that's happening where things are being pressured and companies are raising money today at the same valuations they were raising a year ago, just like, just like it's happening, you know, in the, in the US, right? And so I think it's more, um, just supply demand relative to the venture industry and the cyclicality of that. And as less, it's it's very minimal investors thinking, oh, we can get great deals now because you know there's a crisis going on. I, I, exactly like Aaron said, I I would be shocked if somebody that's serious about investing in Israel would say the words yes, but because of the war, we need a lower valuation. Like if if they're telling you that, then they're not committed to investing in Israel. It's important to hear that. Um, I'd like to ask you about your expectations from your current portfolio companies and maybe companies that are you're in touch with right now about uh, fundraising but what are your expectations in terms of um, communication surely you, you touched on that a little bit before uh, employee management um, you know seizing opportunities that might be harder right now uh, how do you see that Aaron I, I think Julie said it very well earlier, right? It's, you know, what investors really care about is transparency, communication, and predictability. And so with your current investors be, and, and, be, and productivity as well. 
So hopefully you're coming to your investors with a plan, recognition that there's a war going on, recognition that folks are going to be called up for, you know, for military reserves and just being very open and honest about what that means. You know, here's the number of employees we have. Here's who got called up. Here's the impact on our business. Here's the impact on our runway. Here's the, you know, options we're exploring if we need, if we need more runway and things are changing week to week. So, you know, I would, you might, I might even encourage maybe like a weekly update or a bi, a bi-weekly update. Um, you know, anytime there's a material change, you know, whether it's, you know, folks, more folks get called up and, or maybe, maybe folks come back. I think it's just important to keep your investors updated um, because that's, that's really what we value in times of, uh, you know, in, in all times, especially in times of crisis. I want to add something here that I've seen some of our portfolio doing that I thought gave me, at least as their investor, um, a lot of uh, um, a lot of hope in 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 how they are handling the situation, and really showed me that uh, there is incredible resiliency in the team. And that is, you know, some of the teams have a team on the U.S. side, um, you know. Americans, you know, all over the states, um, had, you know, Israel is far away from them. They are working mostly in sales, marketing, customer success, and things like that. And what the company did is they basically created a really short video of all these U.S. you know employees, um, you know, talking solidarity with their Israeli counterparts and. What the CEO told me is that that small gesture created incredible, um, you know, I would say cohesiveness in the team. He felt that, you know, it was a small gesture, but it meant a lot to the Israeli teams and it made the U.S. team feel a lot closer to the Israeli team. And I think it's it's important to do it not only with the investors, it's important to do it with U.S. employees because they don't know war they don't understand maybe they've never visited israel they sit in you know chicago california new york and they work on your behalf um it's important to help them feel part of the process and uh, and and you know to have do this internal communication as well um and and create that solidarity within the team and for me that provided me a sense of you know these guys really got it together. They really have internal communication. They communicate it to the outside. They're creating cohesiveness. They'll really get through this. And I think that's important to show investors as well. It's like, how is the team doing morale-wise? How are they handling the lack of, you know, maybe availability to speak to customers? Um, really, you know, dive deep and talk about those kinds of um, small things that you've done to create, um, you know, kind of a greater um, opportunity for, you know, when things are, you know, going back to normal, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe one or two last questions we got we received in the chat. Um, the first one is, um, how open are U.S. investors to having an Israeli-based parent company? Um, considering not just the war, but you know all the recent events that happened, you know in the in the recent year, they, we had a lot of questions about it um, in our community. So I'm interested in hearing what what you're thinking. Look, it was always a better idea to have the top company be an, a U.S. company. 
for all kinds of reasons. Uh, the Israeli ecosystem doesn't understand that. Uh, but you have 90% of problems that you could have just go away by having a top co being US. And I think people overestimated how much the demonstrations of the first half of the year impacted that. It didn't. How much the war impacted that, it doesn't. It's still a better idea to do it that way, but neither event had a really major, any impact on, on us being willing to own an Israeli company. Aaron, you want to add anything? Yeah, I mean, we, we've invested in both, but it's uh, far better um, to actually have a U.S. entity um, just in terms of, you know, legal reasons as well as, as well as just ability to close due diligence. Um, fees and everything like that when you are uh, raising around. Um, also, I think what a lot of Israelis don't realize is it also opens up the opportunity to fundraise from a much larger pool of investors. There's just folks who just don't, aren't sophisticated enough to know what it's like to invest in an Israeli entity. Um, they don't really have the experience there. Um, uh, some funds even have LPs that have restrictions and that the, the, the LP puts restrictions that, that that fund in the U.S. can only invest in U.S. entities. Not that they can't invest internationally, but they can only invest in U.S. entities, which means, you know, if you're going to do international, those those companies have to be incorporated in the U.S. as well. And so I think it's, you know, it'll save many headaches down the road if you just have that uh, that U.S. top company. Yeah, without going to details, you know, it makes IP issues go away. It makes transfer pricing go away. And if you were to be acquired, you know, by, by a U.S. company, which is what's going to happen to 90 percent of, of Israeli companies, you just took 30% of the diligence and made it disappear. But yeah, not impacted by demonstration, not impacted by the war. Um, so maybe we'll end with like, you know, something, one takeaway you want uh, the founders here in the audience, you want them to, to live with today. Surely maybe we'll start with you. Um, I would leave with, you know, Israelis are strong, resilient, and optimistic people. And this is really a little bit of a kind of dark, dark day. Um, you know, we definitely are super connected to the news and what's happening. And every morning I wonder, you know, what happened while I was, you know, asleep here in California. And, and, and I can only imagine what it's like to be there on the ground connecting to you know, so much of the heartache that is going on. But I, I, I do want to say that I've, I've seen, um, you know, the, the incredible uh, strength of a lot of people in times like this. That's what inspires me is really, you know, seeing that, you know, people are really pushing through delivering products, you know, talking to customers, being out there uh, despite everything. Jacques? I think you know we're supporting you we've always supported you and we'll continue to support you and if you open for business we open for business and aaron last but not least yeah u.s investors i mean we recognize it's a very tragic and hard time uh, for israel and at the same time we're we're here to back founders we're here to invest in founders and build generational companies and if anything this just shows the the benefits of investing in israeli founders which is their resilience and their, you know, inability to say no, and their ability to persevere and, you know, make things happen in even really tough times. Yeah, I, I think I'm taking a few things from, um, from what the three of you are saying, but the main things are first, 
for founders, look for investors who have already invested in Israel in the past. Um, pro will probably make the fundraising process um, less, not easier, but less hard in these times. And the second is communication, like communicate um, whatever you're going through, even if it's, um, you know, dealing with uh, reserve duties or, you know, understaffed or whatever it is, communicate and show how you are dealing with the situation um, and be transparent about it to give confidence to the other side. Um, so I, I want to thank you for taking the time uh, and sharing your perspective. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you a lot. Um, and hopefully to see you in, in better times in the future. Startup for startup for startup. For startup.